So working out loud is not just a new way of knowledge sharing, it's really about a new way of learning and uh, working. You're striving to build a purposeful network and I think that that's the difference and I think that once people understand that and experience that purposeful network and not just the, oh well I have you know 500 followers and I follow 500 people and it's not about the numbers, it's about the purpose and the intent behind it and I think that that ultimately makes people more effective. Hi, I'm Paul Miller and this is Digital Workplace Impact, where we investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Our topic in today's show is working out loud, and I was intrigued by this concept when I started putting it into practice earlier this year, and I found it strangely compelling and useful. It's not probably the best term to describe the practice. It's really more about a new way of working. And my guests on the show today are both terrific exponents of this concept. Isabel de Klerk is a trend catcher, fire starter and sparkle architect, as she describes herself, and is a consultant at professional training and coaching firm Kluwer Training in Belgium. My other guest is Kelly O'Connor. She's the service manager for Digital Workplace at the Bank of New York Mellon in New York. And they both live and breathe working out loud. I was really struck in this episode just by the simple power of the concept. And I hope you are too. Welcome everybody to Digital Workplace Impact. Um, The topic today is is a really fascinating subject. Um, The episode is titled, Is It Really Noisy When You're Working Out Loud? Um, And I first heard the words working out loud probably around about uh, two years ago. And I really wasn't sure what it meant, what it was about. And today's episode is really about trying to dig into this Uh, phrase working out loud and to find out what it means and and how it works in practice and I'm delighted to be joined by two great people on the show today who I think are each impressive examples of the working out loud experience and my first guest is Isabel de Klerk Isabel is a trend catcher, fire starter, sparkle architect, stay with me, keynote speaker and consultant at professional training and coaching organization Kluwer Training, who are based in Belgium. And that is where Isabel um, lives and works. Just a few interesting statements about uh, Isabel. Some of the things she believes is that business will be about ecosystem and community thinking, that social technologies will change the culture of an organization. And it's not about man versus machine. It's about man and machine. And she's also a crusader against digital detox. I'm interested in that one. We'll have to ask. Um, And I was really fortunate to meet Isabel at a conference last year in in Germany. And Isabel really kind of started me uh, thinking a little bit more deeply about the working out loud topic. And and welcome onto the show today, Isabel. 
Thank you very much. And thank you for the beautiful introduction. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. And uh, it's great to have you here. And, and my other guest is Kelly O'Connor. Kelly is part of the service management team for the digital workplace at the Bank of New York Mellon, which is based in New York. A few interesting Tidbits about Kelly is that she has a BS in computer science, science from Villanova University. She was part of the women's rowing team at Villanova and, in fact, was team captain, I discover. She was also part of the computer science club at Villanova. Uh, sorry, the women in computer science. So interesting combination of sport and, and, and technology. And she joined the IT Leadership Development Program as an associate at BNY Mellon, Bank of New York Mellon. And Kelly and I recently met at a digital workplace group member meeting over at Verizon in New Jersey. And I just loved the stories that Kelly told me about what working out loud was about. So it's fantastic to have you on the show as well, Kelly. Thanks. It's great to be here. What an introduction. Can I just start with you, Isabel? And, and, and a question that I love to start the podcast with is, is before you were in the world of work, what did you think and expect work was going to be like? What did it mean to you? And what did you think that when you started working, it was going to be like? Working before I started, it was about, um, I thought, personal development and it was about uh, meeting interesting people to learn from. And, you know, university universities are rather old organization with a strict hierarchy and there is no external view. But in fact, I really had a lot of opportunities to develop myself. And can you just explain your, your work and your role nowadays? Well, as you said in, in this great introduction, I like to describe myself as a trend catcher, a sparkle architect and a fire starter. In fact, I follow trends in um, business management, learning and leadership. And I translate my ideas and my insights into keynote speech, speeches and workshops and trainings. But I'm also a blogger and an author. At the moment, I'm writing a book on the power of social technologies and I'm also a change, um, a change manager or change agent into my company, um, Clear Training. And my current focus is on the way how social media and, in fact, technology in general is transforming uh, the workplace. I see technology as a kind of a transformational agent that is already uh, changing the behavior of people, individuals, teams, and organizations. So what is really fascinating is that at first man makes technology and then technology is like shaping us. That is a really fascinating idea. One of the things that your titles um, uh, descriptions remind me of, there was somebody called Annalie Killian who used to be um, over at AMP in Australia. She's now actually in New York. I think you'd really enjoy meeting her. But when I met Annalie going back several years, she was described as the catalyst for magic um, at AMP. So they were a, an insurance company, well, are an insurance company based in Australia. She created a festival there called Amplify, but she really kind of, she had that title on her business card. And I just 
wonder whether you feel that describing yourself like this is is now more acceptable in in, in what we might think of as traditional corporate settings. Well, I think it's not that um, acceptable um, yet. Um, I remember that some months ago uh, we had a kind of um, well an event with the Kluwer trainers. And then our CEO was um, having this, uh, doing this speech to our trainers. And then he said, you know, Isabel, she really has this funny um, job description. And then he used the terms of Sparkle Architect and mm. Firestarter. And then everybody started laughing. But at the same time, I think it, it's, it means that um, you are passionate about your job mm. and that you shape your job yourself. It's all about, you know, job crafting. And I think I'm really proud of my organization and I'm proud of the things I do and then it should be translated in uh, the words you use for example on your profile on LinkedIn it's about your digital identity and having a strong digital identity also means that you use these strange kind of words I think Okay. Now that's that's. Uh, I think it's a really good way of, of putting it. You can describe yourself in 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 maybe quite uh, intriguing ways, but once you put it in the context, you know that that it's actually about trying to energize people, etc. Then it, then it, it makes it, it really kind of comes alive. So uh, the topic today is working out loud. I don't know how familiar people are with the concept. As I say, it's something that I've only kind of grown to understand um, more recently. But just tell me what working out loud means for anybody completely new to the concept. It's not that easy to explain what working out loud is. But when I explain it to people, I say it's basically about two things. It's about um, connecting with people online. That's the first element. And the second element is it's about showing your work. And, you know, Paul, when I started implementing Working Out Loud in my organization like nine months ago, I explained Working Out Loud to my colleagues. And you have to know that um, there was a lot of resistance against Working Out Loud and they saw it as a threat. And at first, I was um, surprised by this resistance. Um, they were saying things like, you know, social media, Isabel, it's, uh, it's superficial. Um, it's narcissistic crap. I don't have the time, the time to do that. But, and then I was thinking, why does this resistance come from? And I think that the resistance should not surprise us because working out loud takes a lot of courage to work out loud. And I think this is really one of the messages I would like to give now in your podcast. If you go on social media and um, you listen to what people say about working out loud, of course, those who are on social media, they are already passionate about working out loud and they are always positive about it. But it's not that easy, in my opinion, um, to implement it in your organization. And I think it, the resistance should not uh, surprise us because we ask people to show their work. So it means that they get very vulnerable because you can get positive feedback and you can get less positive feedback on your work. So that's the first thing. Another thing is that I think working out loud is about reflecting upon your work and your added value. So in fact, we ask people to be critical about themselves. So it's natural that they have some kind of resistance. So working out loud is 
not just a new way of knowledge sharing. It's really about a new way of learning and uh, working. So we really ask people to change their behavior in a fundamental way. So it's not that easy. It's not that self-evident. And of course, I would like to hear from Kelly whether she had the same experience in in her job. Resistance resistance of people. Yeah, I think just jumping in, um, when we started talking about working out loud or when I first heard of working out loud, um, and especially at, at the bank, um, it was, oh, well, Kelly's just a new hire. Um, she's been working here for a couple of months straight out of college. She likes social media just like any other millennial. She just wants to blog. And it's taken a lot of effort to, to do exactly what you're saying is to do is to work towards behavioral change. Um, you know, I work at a 232 year old company where processes have been the same for a while and technology advancement has grown in like infinitely, um, over those 232 years, mostly in the last 10 years. Um, and how are people keeping up? And that's really what, um, the group I work for, the digital workplace group we strive to do is to give employees the best solutions and tools um, to be the most productive, to be the most collaborative, because then in turn, if they're working faster, smarter, better, our clients are going to do better. They'll, they're going to better serve our clients. Um, and so when I pitched working out loud, it was seen as, Oh, just blog about your work. Um, because when we had to tailor our message a little bit, you know, we worked, we, I started to pitch that, you know, it's just making your work visible. Cause I just started to blog about my experiences. Um, and then we kind of, I tailored that message to no, I'm going to make my work visible in a way that it might help others. What am I doing that, you know, someone else, uh, and another office or, you know, on the other side of the world might need, you know, what process have I seen that I'm making changes to that they would need. Um, and I think when I started to work in that more, open, connected way. My, you know, going off of John Steppers, uh, who's the work out loud expert, uh, his definition of working out loud, you know, he's, you're striving to build a purposeful network. And I think that that's the difference. And I think that once people understand that and experience that purposeful network and not just the, oh, well, I have, you know, 500 followers and I follow 500 people. And it's not about the numbers. It's about the purpose and the intent behind it. And I think that that ultimately makes people more effective. You're listening to Digital Workplace Impact with me, Paul Miller where I investigate and explore the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. Today, I'm talking to Isabel de Klerk, consultant at professional training and coaching firm Kluwer Training, and Kelly O'Connor, service manager for Digital Workplace at the Bank of New York Mellon, explaining how working out loud can improve productivity for any team or organisation. And there are some really neat references to women in technology. I'm, I'm realising that I've got a kind of flow of questions here. And, and because I've got two guests who are used to working out loud, you've, you two have kind of taken over. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to kind of insert myself into the, into the conversation just so that the listeners can kind of keep up with what we're talking about. So the, the that's the, and that's, it's, it's, it's great. Um, the, uh, so just kind of backtracking a little bit, Kelly. Um, so you, you are part of the digital workplace team at, at, at Bank of New York Mellon. And, and could you just um, 
explain how you ended up moving into the banking world and, and how you started getting involved with, with kind of working out loud and what it means for you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you mentioned earlier, I was a computer science major um, from Villanova University. And out of school, like most people, um, I had no real idea of what I wanted to do. I know I had the technical background, I had the foundation that I really could go do whatever. Um, That's kind of what a computer science major lends itself to. Um, And I was fortunate enough to get introduced to the Bank of New York Mellon um, at the Grace Hopper celebration for women in computing. Um, It's actually the largest gathering of women technologists in the world. Um, It happened two weeks ago. There were 17,000 women. Um, So it's, it's a great event. And I was fortunate enough to get introduced to the Bank of New York Mellon there. Um, And I met a woman who told me all about the Digital Workplace Initiative, and instantly that that sparked my interest. Um, So I joined the campus hire program that the bank has. Um, It's a one-year rotational program. Um, So it's unique in the sense that in one year, I had two different jobs, very different jobs. Um, I was on the product management team within Digital Workplace, and then I was also an application developer on one of our uh, investment services teams. So wildly different um, experiences over the course of the year. And throughout my year, I was um, introduced to uh, Mike Freda, who Paul, you've known. Um, And he was, wow, you know, your experience is so cool. Are you telling everyone about it? And I said, well, you know, I've told my friends. I, well, I haven't told my grandma, but I've told, <laughs> I've told, I've told my parents. I've told my friends. I, you know, our program lends itself. It's a kind of like a class-like setting, um, you know, with similar people. So I was like, well, yeah, I'm tell the one I'm doing all the time. He goes, well, what about have you used our enterprise social network? And I said, well, no, how do, what do I do? Um, and he goes, well, let's just blog about your experience. It's so different than any other person here at the bank. You know, you're a woman in technology in a rotational program at a financial services company. Um, this is not the everyday, everyday story. Um, and so from there, I kind of took it for all it was worth and went on. That's why everyone thought that to start out, it was just about blogging um, because I did write pretty heavily about my first year. So just give me an example um, of, of what, a, you know, for somebody completely unused to uh, working out loud, who you bump into within the bank um, and they say, so just, just give me, give me an example. Get me, give me something I can get, kind of get my teeth into. Honestly, I just say put your to-do list on our enterprise social network and you're working out loud. Right. <laughs> I right. know that I know that's so I know that seems so so silly, right? Um, yeah. but the way that I, you know, pitch working out loud and pitch usage on our enterprise social network um, is integration, not addition. I'm not trying to make more work for you. <laughs> like right. I am not trying to add things to your day. Um, so take one thing you do every single day or every week or every month, whether it's a to-do list or a team calendar or um, a status report and post it on there. You're not doing anything different or you're not doing anything extra. You're right. doing something different. Right. And it's, it's the, once people get the, and Isabel, I'm sure you can talk to this. Once people have that spark and get and really feel the 
the connection and the collaborative nature of working out loud, then they're like, oh, I can go one step further. You know, let me get my team involved. Let me get my organization involved. Um, so it's kind of an interesting approach. I think I've taken it, you know, from both ends, you know, top down and then also at the individual level saying, put your to-do list on, but then also working with, you know, some of our larger groups um, at the bank and trying to get them uh, to start to work out loud. So it's been an interesting kind of combination of the two. But if I just run into someone and say, hey, put your to-do list on there and then I'll know what you're doing. Okay, um, that's, that's great. And, and Isabel, what would be an example of, of working out loud that you might use to explain it to somebody in a, a, who's completely unfamiliar with it? Yeah. Um, for example, and an example that I gave to my colleagues is that we have to set up conferences on a rather regular basis. And what we used to do is that when we had to organize a conference, we locked ourselves up in, um, in a room and we had a brainstorm on the topics and the speakers. And so I told my uh, colleagues, instead of doing that, what you could do is just um, engage in dialogue with customers uh, about our conferences and about uh, the topics and, and the speakers. And that's exactly what they are doing now. So, for example, in, in, um, in, in a couple of weeks, we have a conference on digital tools. And really, in the early stage of the setup of the conference, my colleagues asked questions in our Yammer online community, and it's called About the Future of Work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in fact, the setup of the conference was done not um, in a room at Kluwer Training, but was done in our online Yammer community in co-creation with our customers. I was just going to say, that's another thing. Exactly the, the situation that you just described um, is another thing, at least for me, that's been taking working out loud and applying it at work has been really beneficial. So working at a company with 55,000 people around the globe, how I'm not going to be able to sit in a room with every single person. Um, and I'm not going to be able to, you know, get into meetings or run into people at the water cooler. Um, how do I create these collision points that happen normally when you're in an office? How do I create those collision points virtually, right? Like what can I, and that's where working out loud lends itself well, is you're creating those virtual collision points by posting something, anything, someone will see it and identify with it. Um, and then you're it's exactly like me and, you know, Isabel at the water cooler saying, hey, how was your day? And, and I'm just saying, sort of thinking is there you know when you take your to-do list and you you simply put it into a shared space um which i think is a is a fascinatingly on the face of it a really simple action is is there something that happens at a sort of deeper level for the for the individual because you know is there something that they're they're achieving that's more than just well it's my to-do list and it happens to be visible to other people I think so. I think people at first get a little scared, even with putting their to-do list. But um, I think they start to realize if they get... So we use a Jive platform for our enterprise social network. So if they get a like on their to-do list, how awesome. You know, someone's (laughs) someone's validating what you're doing. It could be that you filled out your timesheet or you sent all of your emails or you cleared your inbox, you know, um, something like that, as simple as that. And I think that making it as approachable as that, um, because like we've said, how do we all define working out loud? It's, it's a seemingly nebulous concept, but giving some structure to it and some relatability to it, 
um, with the to-do list or, or anything like as well was saying, having a virtual meeting. Um, I think that gets people excited, um, to share more and comfortable to share more too. I think, um, there's a, you know, culture of fear a little bit, right? Like, am I posting the right thing? Does it look okay? What if I say this about something? And I think that that culture of fear kind of inhibits people a little bit, but I think working towards breaking that barrier and showing them that no, everyone's doing it. Um, you know, there's a purpose here. Um, I think is one thing that's my goal, you know, for 2017 is to get more people comfortable um, and and willing to sh- to share more. Yeah, no, and and my own kind of experience with working out loud is um, I don't know if it's sort of typical of, of 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 many people, but you know I was a bit kind of not quite skeptical of it, but I was a bit I, I didn't quite understand it, and it it, it felt quite distant, and then I started using uh one note i also i don't know if it was related but i went from using some level of paper to using no paper at all and and so all my notes and everything that i was kind of capturing about meetings i was having and so on were all being captured in one note i was then also sharing that with other people involved with different accounts in our yammer community and so then people were immediately kind of adding and contributing to it. And what I found was that the whole process has saved me huge amounts of time because there seems to be a sort of time loss that comes from working in a more, let's call it isolationist way. And and what I found was that, ah, working out loud's actually got some real productivity benefits to it. It's it's a almost like a healthier way of working because, you know, sh- things that are digitally shared are then consumable, viewable by other people. They can add to them and so on. And, and now what I find, and I was having a meeting this morning with somebody who's producing a, um, a, a conference that we're running next year. And, and I said, when you, when you start this off, start the whole thing in Google Docs and just create the sharing group. And, and, and from, from, you know, zero, it's an open environment. And I find that both from a business point of view enhances productivity, but also creates a... Uh, this sort of, I don't know, sort of workplace health, if that makes sense. I think it definitely reduces like overlap in efforts, right? Like there's so many people who, if you're on meetings, if you say you're trying to plan this conference, right? There's people trying to get every little thing. And what if people are talking to this? It, there's so many overlapping efforts, especially, I mean, from my perspective at at the bank, everyone's trying to do very similar things. Um, and so I think sharing what we're doing and bringing in different people and having it be that digital copy, um, I think it really spurs kind of innovation from like almost unexpected like-minded people, like people who are working on seemingly similar things, but either on different teams or different groups or different offices who normally wouldn't get the chance to do that. And, you know, is there a process that we're all working on and it's the common goal of the company. So we're not, I think it makes sense to have this openness. I would like to add, um, in fact, another thing, if you start working out loud, not just 
within the boundaries of your organization, but also with customers and with stakeholders, um, then, uh, you know, the, the, the boundaries of the organizations really get, uh, get blurry. And, you know, Jack Walsh, well, she was already talking about the boundaryless organization in the, in the other century. But I think that finally we have found something that, uh, that helps to shape this boundaryless organization. And that is working out loud. So I'm, I'm really passionate about that because it brings, you know, customers closer to your organization. You know, that's one thing that working out loud has kind of spurred on not necessarily individuals working out loud, but we have really focused our efforts um, on engaging our executives on this notion of working out loud and not so much the like, hey, put your to-do list on there, but hey, let's instead of your um, corporate emails, instead of your Arial 11 emails, let's get you to write a blog. Or we've started to do Ask Me Anything sessions. Paul, I mentioned this at the um, Digital Workplace group. Um, we've hosted about 20 or so uh, live Q&A Ask Me Anything sessions with, with some of our executive committee members and some of our senior leaders at the organization who are looking for a better way to connect with their employees. It's such a large organization. They're the senior leaders who want to provide the thought leadership, the guidance, the advice. How do they do that? Um, and so that's been kind of a kind of a different track that we've been taking with working out loud is the engagement route. Yeah. And I think the other thing is, and, and you know, the title of the podcast today is, is it really noisy when you're working out loud? And, and that kind of gets me to thinking, and I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this, Isabel, as well, kind of related to this is, is this whole subject of kind of information overload. So Tim Ferriss, who has a, a very kind of popular podcast, says that the two, two stresses, the two big stresses for most people are information overload and losing weight. Um, so, so, so most people are most stressed about those two things. Um, and, um, so I'm just kind of wondering, you know, is is, you know, it, it, can it feel like the more that we work out loud, the more noisy things become, the more it just adds to the information overload? Or what do you think? When I started working out loud, I I passed, in fact, a very difficult stage uh, because you have the information that comes from email. And then, in fact, on top of it, you add a lot of other information that is coming in. Because, of course, if you are really working out loud, you put information into the world, but you also have to dialogue with the other persons who are reacting to your posts. So it, if by working out loud, I got overwhelmed by too much information at a certain point. And that is something, for example, that um, people don't talk about when they are passionate about working out loud. And then I started to realize that I was maybe on social media too, too much time. So then I started to plan my, um, I, I don't know I call it, my uh, social media presence time. I really started to, um, to plan it in my agenda. So for me, going on Facebook or going on Twitter or on LinkedIn, it's not just something that I do in between activities. It should be an activity in C. And then now I feel that by doing this in a very disciplined way, I'm not overwhelmed anymore by the information. And I also see that I start to get less emails 
and that, in fact, the high-value information for my work does not come from email anymore, but comes from social media. But it took me some time to get there, and it takes a lot of discipline. I think content curation um, and handling the noise, if you will, to stick with that, um, is absolutely a skill, um, and it's a necessary skill, and it's becoming, like you both are saying, it's becoming incredibly important. But it's it's just like learning anything else. Learning curation is is something you have to take the time, just like you did, Isabel, to set aside time to do these things, to learn how to handle all of the information. And that's one thing that for me as a millennial, I've kind of, I've definitely, I've grown up with this. I know exactly, you know, which notifications I get, when I get them, um, oh, how, what I want to see, when I want to see it. I'm, I expect that. Um, and I think for me, one of the exciting challenges um, that I have at, at work is this notion of teaching curation. Um, I think it's a really interesting concept, um, completely necessary, but it is kind of hard to to put a, um, a lesson plan, if you will, um, on curation, because it is such a personal thing. It's how we like to consume. Um, it's what we want to consume, and it's so personal. Um, so to teach that, I think, is is really difficult. Um, so that's one thing I know I'm starting to focus on. It comes... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, it's just, I was just going to ask you what, what you meant by, by curation. So if you're, I think if we get all this information, right? So whether we get it from email, whether we get it from Twitter, Facebook, uh, Flipboard, whatever apps you use or however you receive information um, for us at, at the Bank of New York, it's on email and on our enterprise social network. How do you handle both of those notifications and get it down to where it's effective and not just noise? How do you handle the noise? Um, how do you make sure that your phone isn't going off 300 times a day because you have you know new followers on Twitter or you're following a hashtag, but you still want to be informed? How do you, are there strategies that you know you can learn or put in place to make sure that you're receiving? the information a that you want and b that's necessary um do i need to know every time someone likes something i do honestly no i don't well i was just kind of wondering i'd, I'd put down you know you know we're used to the the concept of junk food and 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 dealing with with junk food and and is it is it about trying to deal with junk information and 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 maybe there's it's all it's probably the terms the, the kind of concept that we've got to I mean, the information is is simply going to in increase exponentially, or the potential information, but trying to understand how to get some discipline around this. But then I'm also a little bit confused because, um, Isabella, and I did want to ask you this, you, you know, it says you're a crusader against digital detox. So so um, uh, would you go around sort of protesting at De detox retreats and, and and trying to get people to switch on their technology um, uh, <laughs> get on your iPhone <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but you know in Belgium uh, it's like the last month uh, months there was um, a lot of um, negative information on iPhones uh, iPad and on technology because technology is taking away our jobs and you know even the word digital detox it means that uh, digital is being presented as if it were something toxic. And I think we should not see it as something to toxic. Technology is here 
to help us. And in fact, if you go to social media, social technologies, you have to do it with a kind of a, with a purpose in your mind. If I go on Facebook, I'm not just like reading all the stuff that passes, but I really, I'm really going to add messages of uh, some people that are really um, important for me. So I really go to the technology with a kind of uh, with a purpose and with an, with an objective to reach. So in fact, you have to give it focus. You don't have to see it like it's something that is overwhelming you. In fact, you are in charge. No, I like that. I, I hadn't really. I mean, I think personally, I find that 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 switching off from technology at times is a is a is a healthy thing. I, I you know, I find that I don't like to do it in a kind of prescriptive way. You know, it's like if I'm walking our dog Hector, I. Um, will be sometimes I want to listen to things and sometimes I just want to kind of listen to the you know the air around the birds and and just kind of have that experience outside of it but I what I hadn't thought about was the idea this word detox suggests that the digital is somehow toxic and it and and there's certainly some aspects of the digital world that are toxic but there's some but there's a lot that isn't toxic just kind of like the 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 non digital world but I'm, I'm just um wondering um kelly so if if somebody in say the hr part of of the bank says to you we've we've seen what you're doing we we want to kind of get into the working out loud um kind of experience what's your sort of roadmap and journey for them um, I think it kind of depends on, you know, obviously the subject matter, right? So if we're talking about HR stuff that's seemingly sensitive, um, we do have to take that into account. Um, so, but I think just the process really is getting them to understand that we're not asking them to share every last detail, but all, but just be more connected to the organization. So whether that is, um, we like to call it the storefront concept. So they have a, a storefront on our social network where they can just post updates or do they get really granular and start to go in and about specific, um, initiatives that they have. We really take them through kind of a full design process about, you know, what's your, what's your goal? What are you, who are you trying to reach? Um, and here's different solutions to, to do so. So it's kind of, um, it varies depending on, you know, I guess the group, um, and the content that they would like to share, but we really work on that work with groups on saying, okay, what's your goal? What are you trying to do? Or what do you think that you could be doing better in terms of collaboration or, connectedness you know is it even connectedness within your own group are you all communicating effectively do we start there and then work our way out um we like to think of it kind of as uh the, the circle of influence is what we say is, you know, you start one-to-one -one e privacy emails. Um, those are for, you know, there's a time and place, but then going back, you know, going out of this circle is, can we share it with a larger organization and thinking on that scale, the privacy scale, um, you know, I think there are certain things, especially like for HR, for example, there are things that we don't want everyone to see. Um, but I think thinking of it in that way and having a purpose in mind, um, I think lends itself to, to customizable solutions for different groups. Okay. And, and same question for you, Isabel, if you're uh, invited into, uh, let's say, the um, the kind of part of the supply chain for an organization and those people are involved with 
um, distribution, etc. And they say we 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 we're interested in this concept. Do you have like a a series of a, a kind of process and and how do you approach that? I don't think there is a kind of a a magical recipe um, that can be used in every organization. But there, there are some elements that that come back. I think in in the other in the organizations that I know that have been promoting working out loud and and, and knowledge sharing, and one of these elements is in fact that it should be uh, aligned with business objectives, um, and that um, you should have of course the executives uh, buy in. Um, so if it is aligned with business objectives, it um, I think it's it's more successful. Um, if it's just um, implemented, for example, Jammer or Jive as a kind of a, a tool, uh, then it uh, it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, another thing is that what I did at Clewer Training is I really started with a workshop, after a two-hour workshop, and I focused on not the advantages for the organization, but I focused on the advantages of the individual of, uh, you know, having your network growing as a professional, uh, being more efficient, um, etc. And what is also important is that I really gave them the time to exercise uh, this new kind of what I call a language, because that's what also people tell me, being present on social media it requires a new kind of language and people of my age, they are just, they, they are not used to it um, because it's a more concise language. And I really gave them some exercises uh, to practice that. Mm. Another thing that I did is that um, in my Yammer community, I have some ambassadors. So I'm sure that there will be a regular uh, posts. Um, and I think that for each community, you really need, need like a community manager who reacts to um, other people's posts, um, etc. So this yeah. alignment to business objectives, um, giving them a workshop focusing on individual individuals' advantages, giving them help with the tool and with the language. Mm. Um, and then these ambassadors are some critical success factors. One of the challenges I think I face is the individual versus the organization um, when it comes to when it comes to value. Um, so we do talk a lot about you know digital presence and what it can do for personal branding sake, and obviously that's an incredible message. And people that you know when we people ask like what's in it for me, we can tell them here's exactly for you. Here's what will happen. Um, but then we like to go the one step farther and say as an organization, here's what will happen as a you know repercussion almost of you working out loud as an individual. Um, and I think that that is where um, the the disconnect or the like the lost in translation kind of happens i think that's where we're at right now um we do have an incredible group of champions um who on our platform are we can always count on them to post they try out all our new solutions give us feedback um they're really our pulse for the entire company so they're great but we where i think um, one of our biggest challenges is that translation between just like you were saying the social language of things um in in the aspect of the entire organization, not necessarily for the personal side. So we get the personal, but then as the larger organization, I think that's where our biggest challenge is. Behind Digital Workplace Impact is the Digital Workplace Group, a strategic partner and boutique consultancy supporting more than 100 leading businesses and public institutions 
to advance their intranets and broader digital workplaces through benchmarking, research and practitioner expertise. I am the CEO and founder of the Digital Workplace Group, so just a little biased in recommending DWG. DWG consults across the digital workplace and internet fields for clients ranging from Estee Lauder to IKEA to the UNHCR and all shapes and sizes in between. You can find out more information at digitalworkplacegroup.com. And I had a um, an interesting experience last week, um, um, sort of inspired by you, Kelly, really, which was uh, I was talking to a um, an internal communications team in Denmark, and they were talking about wanting to um, somehow stimulate and energize the communications around across the company. Um, in the in the healthcare industry, and they were wondering about you know what they should use and how they should do it, and I said, what about if each of you start experimenting kind of live in the organisation? So instead of creating a new sort of internal communications channel that you sort of if you like push into the organisation, I said you become a so-and-so out loud, like you became Kelly out loud at the, in, in the bank. And then I referenced you and I could see the kind of uh, the idea coming into their heads that the, the change they're trying to bring into the organization is one that they need to sort of get hold of, whether it's starting your own podcast or starting your own blog or actually just sharing more openly what you're doing as an example of the type of change you want the organization to have and 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 this idea of of kind of becoming um, an exemplar inside the organization yeah having a what we found and what i found and had great success with um at the organization is now when people think of their our enterprise social network they think of me um, be, and that's that's really awesome because it puts a face to a product that they're, I would say, almost scared of. But if I can do it, then they can do it too. Um, and so having that personal connection to whatever you're trying to do, whether it is a product or whether it is, you know, communications, having that personal touch and that authenticity um, is a really big game is a game changer. Um, and it, it gets, it makes it more relatable. It makes it more feasible and it doesn't seem so, at least in our, you know, for me, it doesn't seem as corporate. Um, and, and that's, um, been really successful. Um, we've started to work with our corporate communications team as well, doing a very similar exercise saying, you know, we don't need the, the templated emails. We need to hear from you. You are the professional communicators. Um, let me show you some strategies on how to connect, how to do some content marketing, um, how to use different strategies to really reach all of our employees other than their inbox. Um, and I think it's a really exciting time. It's, it's been really successful so far. And uh, the, the, the kind of thing that this makes me think about, um, Isabel, is that, I mean, I'm getting increasingly uh, unhappy with the term working out loud. And I'm starting <laughs> to realize why. And, and, I, yeah. I, I, and the concept is so much bigger than the words yeah. described. And the reason I, I feel like it's insufficient is because of the things that we've been touching on during this, um, this show. But the other reason is I don't like the word loud because yeah. actually if I take my to-do list and I share it in a collaborative environment, I've not increased the volume level. I've just shared it. There's nothing loud about that. It's just a, it's, it's, in a, it's, it's more to do with openness and, and, and connection and collaboration. Yeah. So I think we need 
um, to, um, you know, with the, 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 there's a real need for another term. Um, and I, I think the uh, the other kind of question I, I, I've got, and I'm not sure whether, Isabel, you, you have a kind of view on this, is does the concept suit certain types of people? I mean, if you're more introverted than extroverted, is is working out loud and the concept behind it less appealing than if you're yeah. more naturally extroverted? That's one of the objections that I get rather often when I'm giving workshops on um, on working out loud and then people say, well, you are an extroverted person and that's why you like to be on social media. Um, and I read uh, a research paper uh, on the subject and uh, but it was a rather old one. It, it was from 2011. And it said, indeed, that extroverted people were more likely to be active on social media. But, but as I say, it, it, it was a rather old research. And in fact, I'm really looking forward to a new research because, you know, I have this Yammer community on the future of work. We are 660 people. And those who are very active um, on the Yammer community, in fact, they are, they say that they are introverted people. Right. And they say they like to communicate on Yammer because, on, in fact, they have the time to mm. reflect upon their answer and they don't have to, you know, dialogue directly with people face to face. So it is, um, it's a different question. And I, I hope there will be some new research coming on on the topic mm, mm. and what's what's your feeling on that that kelly because presumably you must get a similar kind of question i mean you're <laughs> i know obviously you're you're shy quiet introvert <laughs> yourself yes so, exactly. so people That's probably exactly say how on earth did you get into this i know how on earth uh, no i get i do get that all the time um and especially sitting you know with my computer science degree i was around predominantly introverted people um throughout my entire college career and then also being in the technology arm of the bank around a lot of introverted people. Um, and I think it's showing the value and kind of the um, almost dynamic nature of, I don't know what to call it now, not working out loud, but working openly. Um, it's the dynamic nature of it, that it isn't just for, you know, of course, my strategy is going to be very different than someone who isn't comfortable speaking or who is more introverted than I am. But I think because there's such a scale of introverted to extrovertedness, it's kind of hard to pin down that, you know, okay, you're this person, so you should work this way. Um, and I think because working openly, like we've been saying, this entire podcast is so dynamic. There are so many different facets and components to it. Pick and choose, you know, as long as you, whatever works for you. And I feel like because it is such a personal choice or a personal, um, I don't know, personal something, whatever. I think it, 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 it works for every personality type. It isn't just... I think, yes, Isabel said that extroverted people are going to be more on social. Absolutely. That's just the nature of our personality. But there are strategies that will make it work for the intro more introverted folks. I'm just kind of wondering, Kelly, I mean, you've you've kind of pioneered working out loud within 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 the bank. And where, where does this go next? Where, what's the evolution of this concept? Because I think it's going to have to shed its working out loud skin and, and, and kind of move into its next iteration. What's, what's, the, what's the journey? 
Yeah, I think it's going to just become work, right? Right. <laughs> right? Like, just like, just like Isabel was saying, um, it's going to be a necessity to have a certain digital profile and digital skills. And that's just going to be the working world. Um, so you asked Isabel earlier, what did she think about, you know, how did she feel? What were her expectations of coming into work? Um, and mine was, I knew I was going to be on the phone a lot. I was going to send a lot of emails. I might do some PowerPoint and that's all I knew. And my expectations have been blown away. Um, because of this work openly concept. Um, and so I think getting people the behavioral change, it's just going to be a shift with millennials coming into the workforce and data natives and digital natives coming in and changing the entire way of working. I don't think it's going to be a, a concept. It'll just be work. You're going, you know, it's going to be, you're going to have to keep up um, or, you know, get left behind. That sounds a little right. too serious, but that, but that's what it's going to be. Um, and so moving forward, forward um i think it's it's just going to be that's going to be the expectation working openly and sharing and collaborativeness is going to be the new standard it already for me it is the standard right um and so that's what i'm trying to impress upon people um and have their you have a personal brand whether you want it or not right now a digital profile if someone googles you you know we're all at that point but that's who you are online mm. um and so i've t- kind of taken that concept and applied it at the bank is when people look at your profile on, you know, on our social network, what do they see? What are they, what is that saying about you? Is your picture, you know, a professional picture? Um, is your to-do list on there? All these little things that Isabel was just talking about, those digital skills um, will only enhance your, your personal brand, your digital brand. And really those two are going to converge. I think they already have started to. Um, and so that's kind of where I see this going is a convergence of you know, the, the physical personal brand that we say when you walk into a room or what people say about you, um, it's really going to be what, what's Google, like what's Google saying sure. about you or what's the internet saying about you. It's a little scary. Yeah. <laughs> I will admit, even as a millennial, a little scared of that. Um, but I think that's where I see it going. Working out openly has nothing to do with generation and has nothing to do with age because you know, you have to know Kelly. So I'm not that young anymore, but I have younger colleagues who don't share and um, I think it's more to do with um, how you see yourself um, at work. Do you see yourself like stuck somewhere in hierarchy or do you see yourself as a, a node in a network? So I think that, you know, this generation stuff, I don't think it's the most important point. Do, do you see what I mean? Oh, I, co- I completely agree. Um, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think based on where I'm at in my current, you know, in the current, at, at the bank, um, I think generations and generational gap and that digital divide that we have, I think that's what for me makes it more of a thing than not, um, is because there are less millennials than there are not. Um, so that's why I think for me, it's a little more prevalent just because I experience it from the other side as I'm trying to change a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I don't want to make it a thing. I would love, you know, the node in the network. I love that. Um, I think that's a great statement. That's exactly what people are, um, you know, in a company or should be. Um, and I think that's a great visual, um, that hopefully, um, you know, people can start to see. So I agree with you on the, on the age concept. When I think about, you know, what, what's going to come next with this, I mean, clearly this has got dimensions and depth that I, I, I had 
really not realized. And I think it's to do with the kind of narrowness of the term. But I actually think that, you know, you, you use the word about working openly, um, uh, working in the open. And I think it's more of that kind of uh, notion around it. But I do think the technology, which obviously has enabled us to work more out loud um, nowadays, is going to enable things that we are doing and how we're working to just be by default more more open and 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 so that's probably going to change as you're uh, as you're both saying that it'll become part of um the way we work but one thing that that kind of came up early on which is you use the words that you're going to be more people are going to be more vulnerable in this and and i think that's probably something that um the world of work needs to get used to more um and you know there's somebody called Ewan Semple who wrote a book about organizations don't tweet and i was i was listening to him talking at a, at a conference and and he was talking about once you kind of he even looked at the idea of selfies and he said that when people are taking selfies we think that's about vanity but another way of seeing it is it's actually about people's kind of vulnerability and and almost kind of taking pictures of themselves wherever wherever they are i mean it's it's it was an interesting other way of 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 thinking about this but we we are um running out of time unfortunately and one of the um questions that i'd like to um ask you kelly um which is the way i like to um end each of the shows is is you know, I asked you, um, uh, well, I didn't ask you, but you did answer, which was great. <laughs> the, the the question about what you expected when you came into work. But what's, what's a perfect working day for you? What does that look like? Oh, man, it's <laughs> kind of a loaded question. No, <laughs> I think a perfect work day for me is really seeing the power of working out loud happening for others. And I know that's really a vague statement, but a lot of, a big part of my role is to go into the specific lines of business and with specific teams and with executives um, and with other organizations and introducing this concept of working out loud, but then also the follow-up to that. Um, So when I can see that people are getting it, and they're practicing, you know, working openly. That for me is absolutely perfect. I do a lot of um, demos and webinars and, you know, we go through the practical, like post a status update. And when I start to see that, and when I don't start to see that, um, it gets me a little upset because that means I'm not pitching it perfectly. Um, But I think for me, the seeing folks understand exactly what I'm saying and understand the concept of working openly um, and practicing that and really internalizing it. And that's, that's when I know um, that would be, that's a perfect day um, is when I, is, it's, you know, I think there are definitely going to be failures, but mm. you know, the teaching aspect of it is something I really enjoy. Um, and so to see people succeed in that and get value out of it, um, absolutely perfect. And 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 for you, Isabel, what what is what does a perfect day when you kind of at the end of the day you just say, God, that was that was that was what it, I wish it could be like that every day. Yes, um, what really makes me happy, Paul, is um, beauty, and um, you can find beauty in in a lot of things. There is beauty in objects, um, in images, in in architecture, but there is also beauty, for example, in in uh, in the cover of a book 
or in a, in a beautifully written um, sentence. And um, so when I have found beauty somewhere during the day, I'm really, uh, I'm really happy. So it means that I am happy, for example, when I found a new book to read, um, when I had a nice conversation, like, for example, today with you and with Kelly, because I have learned some things. Mm-hmm. And um, and when I, uh, for example, I can also uh, become very happy when somebody else, uh, I have this uh, friend and uh, I have concepts in my head and she translates these concepts into beautiful images. And when I see these images, it really gets me, it really gets me happy. Um, wow. And also I'm happy when I see this, some sparkles in the, in the eyes of my participants. So in it's 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 all about um, beauty. Okay, okay, well, no, that's fantastic, and it makes me think. If your if your friend wants to draw us a little image of of working out loud, when we when we release the uh, the podcast, we can add that to the to the to the show notes. Yeah, I will I will I will <laughs> uh, I will get you in contact with her. She's really a great person, and and I think this is really a special skill. Abso- absolutely, and um, so um, as we just end, here's my aha moment. Um, which has come for me is that it, it, it's not that we're working out loud. It's it's like we're living in a world out loud. And the reason I say we're living in a world out loud is is if you look at the um, news media, if you look at Facebook, if you look at LinkedIn, if you look at YouTube, it, it's like the world is is basically trying to work itself out out loud. So at a kind of a uh, wider level that's what's happening in in the societies around us and in you know across the entire planet so it's i don't know and loud's probably the wrong word because it's it's a that's all suggests volume but i think that's my kind of insight today and i'd really um, just like to uh, th- thank you both so thank you so much um isabel um it's been fantastic to have you on the show as the fire starter sparkle architect and consultant at clua training and also to you kelly uh in your role running the service management side and being part of that at at bank of new york mellon so Thank you both, Isabel and and Kelly, uh, for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. It was a beautiful moment. It was full of beauty. Yeah, thanks so much. This was so cool. You've been listening to Digital Workplace Impact with myself, Paul Miller, investigating and exploring the ideas, practices and people impacting the new digital worlds where we work. To listen to previous episodes, go to digitalworkplacegroup.com slash DW Impact. And this was a Digital Workplace Group production. And this is Paul Miller wishing you well until next time.